Welcome to Babblefish, episode number 58. I'm your host, Fred, and today I have another uh, movie review episode with the wife and I. It's part of our ongoing segment that we're going to introduce. Uh, right now, the working title is like Vintage Flicks and a Modern Chick or something, but you know, both of us are kind of on the fence with that title. So it's still a work in progress, but nonetheless, here we are with another review. But before we get started on that, let's do some housekeeping. If you want to get a hold of the show, you can find us at babblefishpodcast at gmail.com. Find our group page on Facebook, Babblefish Podcast, of course. And as always, our home base is SoundCloud, but the easiest way to get the show is through iTunes or Google Play. But we are on everything else in between. So like I said at the top of the show, we have another review with the wife and I. It's still a work in progress with this the name of the segment. But nonetheless, here we are. Sarah and I, without further ado, let's get right to it. Benito, hit that button, baby. All right, man. It's been such a long time. I feel like it's been a while, but let's get the introductions off. I'm Fred. And I'm Sarah. And today we have another full show for you. We're doing our new thing, the Vintage Flicks Modern Chick segment. I don't, you know, I'm still not crazy about the name. I'm just, you know, something about vintage just, it feels 1920s to me. But I like the word more vintage than modern. I was thinking. Because I'm an old soul. I may be younger than you and better looking. Yes, you are definitely better looking than me. But I don't know. I'm I'm not, I'm modern, but I'm not modern. I, you know, because I'm thinking something along the lines of like retro, you know, because we're, we're, we're re- uh, reviewing like movies from the 80s, stuff that I grew up with in my childhood. And we're just kind of bringing you into the fold, you know, because you're about 10 years younger than me. Nine and a half. Yeah. So you you have like a completely different reference of like pop culture and all that thing. So although you know, though, although you have watched some of these movies, you know, that that we are going to watch. But it's just kind of nice to get a younger take on it. You know, I love how I like not to go into details about the movie we're about to review, but it was nice to watch it with you, but also I didn't remember certain things, and it was like the whole time. That's right. why. <laughs> really? Over that? Okay. So, with a working title in mind, all right, Retro Flicks with a Modern Twist. I don't know. Some some bullshit, all right? Working title in mind. This week's movie that we're going to review, Adventures in Babysitting. Let me tell you something about this movie right here. I absolutely loved this movie when I was a kid. I got that raw, uncut, not stepped on version straight from the movie theater, you know, straight uncut, right? Right. And I got the VHS. Yeah, and you got that VHS flavor. So <laughs> so let me let me set the tone for you, babe. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's July 1st, the 182nd day of the year, 1987. Ronald Reagan was our president, and the first 24-hour sports news station was created in New York, WFAN, WFAN, all right? The top three songs of July were number three, Bob Seger, Shakedown. Number two, Heart, Alone. (laughs) And the number one song of July 1987 was Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. Oh, I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. What? That's how, what? 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 You didn't like my high note? I want to feel the heat. Heat. Okay. 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 I mean, you don't like my singing, but those were the top three songs of 1987. 
Now, I, I looked up this little fact for you, all right, because I know you're such a fan. And I didn't know at the time when I wrote this that this particular thing played such a heavy role in the movie we, we watched. But the Playboy playmate of that particular month and year was Carmen Berg. And just for due diligence, out of respect for our fans, I looked her pictures up and she is still lovely to this day. Yes. So that, you know, that that's for you because you're a Playboy fan. I mean, it's much more than I ever was. I'm just a little pissed you didn't show me the update. The update, the updated pictures of her. Well, you know, for due diligence, I had to just go back and look at her pictures in the centerfold and then just, you know, look her up again and be like, hey, what's she doing? She's a real estate agent now in California. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, so that's just for you because you are the Playboy fan. I mean, Playboys for me served a very well. Playboys for me served a very specific purpose in my day. You actually collected them like it was a keepsake. That they were not that they were a utility for me, a tool. If for me, you will. they were coffee table magazines. No, see, I'm of the generation that was our internet was Playboys, and finding Playboys was like. Wow, that was like a a gem in the wild. Like you know, you're just digging for fucking diamonds, and all of a sudden, you just you know, you just come across. You're like, whoa, you know, and then you kind of pass that along to your homies. You know, you got to spread the good word. Mm -hmm. You know, but you you actually had a collection. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole nine. Yep. So yeah, I was that's cool, for you. When I had my first apartment, I was the cool friend. Yeah. So July first, nineteen eighty seven. Your awesome husband was a mere ten years old with a full head of hair. Might I add, I just passed fourth grade. It was a sweltering July summer, and I was stomping the streets in New York, Warner Street to be exact, right? I would stop every day on my way to and back from school and during the summer at the corner store and load up on penny candy, all right? Now, this was the spot during the summer. I would get a dollar and get a 100 pieces of candy, and I felt rich, bitch. You don't know nothing about that penny candy, all right? Yes, I do. <laughs> now, my cousin, ironically, my babysitter at the time, took me to see this movie because I wanted to see it. But the, the the ratings just came out. The rating systems just came out that year for movies. And it was labeled PG-13, right? Probably because after rewatching it, all the Playboy references and stuff in it, right? So I felt like you know, we were breaking the rules. You know what I mean? It was like, oh my God, I'm 10 years old and I'm about to go see this PG-13 movie. I was all about that shit. See, what's sad is now thinking of age and my, at 10 years old, what you were considered PG is like, 13 is like your rated R. Where at my age, I was probably already watching rated R. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, okay? I mean, you're cool, all right? We've already established that you're just cooler than me, all right? Or grew up too fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe one of them, all right? So Adventures in Babysitting, also known as, and I didn't know this, A Night on the Town in Other Countries. I didn't, I didn't bother to look up what countries were, you know, come, I mean, come on. But I just, I found that a very interesting fact, all right? It's a 1987 American comedy film written by David Simpkins, directed by Chris Columbus. This is his directorial debut starring elizabeth shue maya bruton keith coogan anthony rapp of recent star trek fame whoop whoop mm -hmm. penelope ann miller bradley whitford and brief cameos by blues singer guitarist albert collins and singer songwriter south side south side johnny lyon 
And those were actually two really cool performances in that movie from both groups, right? The music cuts in yeah. that. Yeah, it was actually fun to watch. I started singing the blues. So I was actually surprised in our rewatch as to how well this movie kind of hood up stood up for me. I mean, it had some really cheesy moments and some classic 80s mo- moments that you could never get away with in today's movies, in today's society. It'd be wildly kind of racist or just homophobic and all that shit, right? But... During the 80s, that was just par for the course. Mm-hmm. Overall, what did you think of the movie? I love the movie. I've watched this movie actually a bunch of times growing up. I Even in the opening act, I told you, I go, this was one of the uh, movies that I used to watch that actually got me in loving running through the house dancing in tights and a long t-shirt with the sleeves rolled up. Well, that actually, yes, I'm glad you said that, right? Because as soon as this movie opened up, I immediately thought of the classic 80s montage, all right? It's got the 80s music in the background. Elizabeth Shue is dancing with her leggings on, looking quite kind of, you know, looking kind of good, right? Elizabeth Shue back in the day. I was taking. She still looks good. Well, I haven't really looked up the, a picture of her or what she. I'm sure she looks well, great, she right? She still acts. That's why I know. Does she? Do you know any movies offhand that she's mm. in or all right, whatever? Because no, we're focused on adventures and babysitting, right? Yeah. But as soon as it popped on, I was like, "Oh shit! Look at Elizabeth. She looking really good back in the day, right?" I almost wanted to get up and dance with her. Just dancing around in the leggings, got the overall the tights. oversized T-shirt on. Is that the tights? Because they look like pantyhose to it. Like they almost looked sheer, but That's they were. Why- they're called tights Excuse or, or pantyhose. Right. Leggings are not see-through. That is true. All right. I'm sorry for having my female terminology, you know, clothing terminology. Incorrect. You know, yeah, incorrect. I'm sorry. I stand corrected. Anyways, what I'm not wrong on is how good Elizabeth Shue looked in that opening scene. <laughs> I'm not arguing. She was really good. Right, right. Especially when she stood up on her bed and used her canopy to, as the microphone. That's my girl. The classic 80s move, classic teen... I wonder if teenage girls actually do shit like this nowadays. I mean, or is it... Do you think I, that I is gone? Like like holding the brush and singing into your song? Do you think people still do that now? Or are they just sing into their phone? They hold their phone now. And- I think some people <laughs> probably still do it. I know I did it. Hairspray bottle, mousse bottle, water bottle, brush, comb, anything that was that shape. And you could use... Right. My sister busted on me a couple of times. So let's kind of get right into it, right? After her boyfriend, Mike, unexpectedly cancels their anniversary date, Chris Parker invites her friend, Brenda, over to her Oak Park, Illinois house to cheer her up. But it's eventually convinced by her mother to babysit Anderson's daughter, eight-year-old Sarah, while they attend a party at Crane Communications Building in downtown Chicago. 15-year-old Brad Anderson is originally supposed to go with his girl, with his friends Daryl to Daryl Coopersmith's house to spend the night. But he changes his mind when he finds out that Chris is the sitter. I swear to God, this guy that plays Brad Anderson is in every 80s movie that I can remember. Right? Mm-hmm. After receiving a frantic phone call from Brenda, who ran away to the bus station downtown, using all of her money for the cab ride, Chris plans to go alone to pick her up. But it's coerced by Brad, Sarah, and Daryl to take them with her. All right. Let's pause right there for a second, right? Let's kind of break this down. What do you think of this friend, right, that just calls her out panically? Like, I'm just going to use all my money and take a cab ride at a bus station? And what the fuck? Like, now I'm curious as to watching this. What the hell is so wrong with this girl's life? Do you have any thoughts or ideas or anything? She's over the top dramatic. 
from a small town. I thought she was stupid. If you're going to do it, go all the way. <laughs> and only having enough money to get to get to the bus station. Not even to get on a bus. <laughs> you're stupid. So, yeah, it just seems like one of those stupid teeth. Like, she just, I'm going to run away. They made me clean my room or some shit. That's, that's just, you know, to the level of her stupidity. Although, I, I did laugh throughout the movie. She was just stuck in this bus station. Oh, the cat? <laughs> no. That was a real rat? She's just being tortured throughout the whole movie at this bus station. I just thought that was kind of funny and kind of fitting for her character. You know, it's like, you bet you deserve to be tortured by a rat. The crazy glasses lady and who the else? Gun the, the gunman just flashing a gun like he's flashing his penis to her, but it's just Get his gun. Get out of my house. Yeah, and the guy that lives in the phone booth, yeah. so. But let's get to the boy's best friend. Oh, okay, played by Anthony Rapp, yeah. I wanted to choke him. So I, I noticed you found his laugh highly annoying, and you commented more than once about this guy's laugh. It was creepy. To the way that he was trying to manipulate the babysitter and then his response every time there was an issue. I'm surprised she didn't choke him. I find him more annoying now than I did back then. I mean, he was annoying then, but I guess the older I get, the more I would just rather choke annoying person. I don't know. (laughs) Hey, he's just a young kid trying to make moves. That's all. You know, trying to help his homie out. How many trying times? to hook up with the babysitter. I mean, this guy's making moves throughout the movie. Well, you're giving me the look. What? He's freaking... I won't even disrespect people. <laughs> I was going to call him the R word. All right. So on the freeway, their Buick station wagon, which is classic 80s with the wood paneling all over. I noticed yeah. that you made a, a like this little squeal sound when you seen it. You have a like, personal connect, connection to these particular Volkswagens. No, it's just like certain things of certain generations. It just gets me excited. And when I saw the Volkswagen, I'm like, yee. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So they receive it. They get a flat tire and they're picked up by a, a tow truck driver named Apley, handsome Jack Pruitt, who offers to pay for the tire when Chris realizes she left her purse at the Andersons. En route, Pruitt gets a call from his boss, Dawson, with evidence that his wife is cheating on him. And he rushes to his house to confront the infidelity. So, yeah, driving all crazy throughout New York City, okay? And he just pulls up to his house and hops out with this gun and just starts shooting randomly in the house, right? Mm-hmm. It's classic 80s. Just classic, classic 80s, you know? The punching was very cheesy. Yes, yes. It almost it had its charm to it. The cheese had its charm. It kind of led, you know, just... Even it, the wife, though. Like, when she was grabbing onto him, not so grabbing onto him and doing the whole struggle and pulling and stop, no. And it's like, right. Well, really? I mean, are You're we cheating re- on your husband. I mean, are, are we, how how serious are we going to take this movie also? Judging right? from I mean, the beginning to yeah, the end? I mean, not so much. Yeah, it's, it's just mainly fluff and, and it's a cotton candy kind of movie. Let's have fun. You know, I'm I mean, I'm not. i it got PG. Well, I tell you what, I think the only reason why I got PG-13 is because of all of the Playboy references and that scene that we're going to get to that he was making out with the one chick. We'll get to that, though. But I think, well, this is the 80s we're talking about. And this is around the time that they first started coming out with these R-rated PG-13s and all that shit, right? So during this whole fight, Chris's uh Chris's mother's car gets damaged, right? He shoots out the fucking window and everything because this guy's got a hook hand. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, not not too. He doesn't have good aim with the revolver. 
And they kind of, and he's, I do like the fight scene. Mr. Hookhand is punching the guy with one hand. That's what I was saying. It, <laughs> it was very cheesy. Yeah. So during the whole fight, the kids get out of the one car and they're all panicking and all that. And they hop into this uh, red Cadillac. And that's where they meet Mr. Joe Gipp, who's conveniently hot wiring and stealing the car. Right, so they all hop in the back. Of the guy who's sleeping with. Of the guy who's sleeping with the wife. And yeah, they're fighting, they're beefing back and forth. They slip into the guy's car and they're out, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so reaching a hideout in the south side, the kids realize they've stumbled upon a chop shop. And Joe is punched by, <laughs> punched by Graydon. You know, just a single punch. What do you brought these kids here? Boom, just punches them for no, for no particular reason. It doesn't really follow through with anything you're else. You're leaving out a big chunk that was even more cheesy and ridiculous. What's that, baby? Of the, uh, what's the brother's name? I don't know. Who is she babysitting? She's babysitting two kids, technically three, because we're oh, the okay. best friends. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm bad with people's names. I- anyways. Brad Anderson. He keeps, he gets out. And he starts greeting everyone in the head shop. Well, sure. He's super nervous. You know, you're looking at all these tough people and, you know, Hi, they're gathered how are around. you doing? But he's giving out everyone's full name. Like, there's a thing called a phone book and I can find your address and kill your whole family. He literally did give up everybody's first and last name as he was working his way down. Now, this is what I do have to say, what I like about this particular crime syndicate, that it was a multicultural crime syndicate. It wasn't like some typical Italian mafia fucking chop shop. No, yeah. there's like it was three like di- black folks and some Latinos in there and a couple white dudes and, you know, your your atypical movie gangsters guy kind of yeah. running it. But it was a multicultural crime ring, and I appreciated that. Thank you, there. Thank you. And then it was like multiple states. Yeah. Well, you it, know, you got like, you can't you got to get rid of them. You know, you're doing it in Chicago, and you got to sell them off to Philly. You can't sell the car you stole to a suburb. No, but I'm <laughs> just saying city. it was like they gave you info. Yeah. So after they all make their awkward introductions and the guy gets punched in the face and that's it, they're detained and sent upstairs to the office manager's office. But they escape through some rafters in the window. But in the meantime, not before your creepy laughy kid, Anthony Rapp's character, steals a Playboy. Convenient, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he steals his Playboy, which has all their criminal notes in it. Now, mind you, why the hell are criminals writing all their criminal notes on a Playboy centerfold, as if it was like a, it, when you look at it, it looks like a signature, <laughs> like the girl signed it, and kind of, you know how they write, hey, much love, thank you, hugs and kisses, but he's got his fucking smart crime notes on that shit. Well, you gotta think, I'm not trying to say cops back in that day were stupid, but you really think they would go literally page by page in a Playboy when doing a heist? They're gonna look in the filing cabinet and everywhere else, you know what I mean? They're gonna check the books. So you think writing his criminal empire notes on the Playboy centerfold was a smart move? Back in those days, yes. Nowadays, wrong. Well, who the hell is buying Playboys nowadays? Well, ever since they went back to clothes, no one. No, Playboy went back to nude models. Finally? Yeah, yeah. Well, they they switched to no nudes and nobody fucking bought Playboy because, surprise, surprise, nobody buys Playboys for the fucking articles. Hey, there's some good ones in there. Yeah, sure. You know, after you're done looking at everything and doing what you got to do with the magazine, you know, you got some spare time on your hands now and you're just reading the articles. Anyways. So in between their escape, we're introduced with the the cat slash rat. 
that Miss poor Brenda is being tortured at the bus station and the guy who lives in the phone booth. Let's go back one step, though. Let's not forget, not only does he steal the Playboy, he then almost drops it on them while escaping. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just kind of reading right? over my notes. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, listen, I mean, it's not, you got to have some thrills and chills in there, you know, and almost dropping the Playboy. Yeah. Hey, what are you going to do? And then the one guy drinking the coffee after like debris of like probably lead paint fell in it from the scaffold. It like remember the debris that fell down also. Oh yeah, and, and the it, guy just starts drinking it. Yeah, I was like flavoring bit. Lead poisoning. All right. So <laughs> Brad tells Chris the babysitter about his feelings towards her, but they find they are not reciprocated because Brad is two years younger and she's a fucking senior and he's a freshman. And if you're gonna pull that kind of Get, you you got to have game. You know, if you're a freshman and you're trying to pull some hot-ass senior, you better... You, I mean, come on, dude. You need to be on top of your shit. And you can't just be some fumbling, bumbling fucking, you know, idiot freshman. No, 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 dude. So would you have game if you're like a seventh grader and you're dating a freshman in high school? Yes, I would say so. Because there is a significant difference in, in mentality from seventh grade to ninth grade. You know, it's like going from 13 to 16. Well, you know, it's these short jumps that don't seem long, but you're fucking just. Well, I guess it's more leveled out if the seventh grader is the female and then the freshman's the guy. I, I Maybe it was just a horny freshman who couldn't get laid by his peers. And he just seen a seventh grader with big boobs that he could probably take advantage of. I never gave him ass. I'm just saying you may not have given it to him, but it was certainly he was fishing for it. How long did that relationship last for? You do realize who my stepfather was in any relationship I ever had. No one knew about. <laughs> Almost a year. Okay. So he hung in there for but a year I'm, trying to get it. No, I broke up with him. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> playa, playa. Okay. Player, player. All right. Anyways. After separating Daryl from a streetwalker who was a runaway... <laughs> Which I, I was like, when you bring that out, when did she go from being um, I, a I had to correct be? you. Yeah. You're like, she's a whore. And I'm like, no, it's just another girl who happens to be 17 and ran away. They are then found and chased again by the multicultural crime ring, <laughs> graded and bleak, but managed to, to uh, escape on the Chicago L train. Which brings me up to my next favorite scene, right? While on the L train, they find themselves in the middle. The king fight, right? That looked like they belonged to the crew of Michael Jackson. Yes. Well, one looked like a white Latino gang. Like it was supposed to be probably in a script. You know what I mean? In the movie it was script. A Latin it was like game. Yeah, like some Latin gang, right? But it was played by a bunch of white dudes <laughs> that kind of had this slight Latino accent. Mm-hmm. And then the uh other gang, it was like black gang, black and white gang. And they or Puerto Rican. They looked like like mixed. They looked like a Michael Jackson from Bad. Oh, the red leather. Yeah, and it was right in his time frame. 84, Michael Jackson was huge. Bad was probably, you know, came out a year or two before. Somewhere around it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, The babysitter jumps up in between these two gangs. What do you think? You think she's just going to jump up? Hey, hey, knock it off, you two. All this douchebaggery. Knock it off with this horseplay. That part was so cheesy. And the guy calls her a bitch. Sit down, bitch. So then Brad, he just he just jumps up and yells at the first guy he sees. Hey, don't talk to my babysitter like that. And the guy, 
aptly takes his switchblade. Oh, which is reminds me classic 80s gang move, right? Everybody that's in a gang in the 80s has a switchblade, which I would have loved to have had a switchblade when I was a kid. The closest I came to a switchblade was the little switchblade comb. You know what I'm talking about? Are you serious? Yes. I've I, always wanted a switchblade, but being in New York, I think they're illegal in New York. I thought it was a palm thing. Like out here, you're allowed to carry a knife, but it can't be bigger than your palm. Yeah, that's always been like the rule of thumb. Maybe that's just a rumor or everyone's like, you can't have a blade bigger than that. But I always see dudes walking around with giant fucking knives and shit. They're like ready to butcher a pig with that shit. Maybe they are. But I don't know what it was. When I was a kid, I always wanted a switchblade. And the closest I came, switchblade comb, baby. She had a cool mom. She Not only did she, she... she didn't even have a switchblade. She had, what is it called? The butterfly knife. That's cooler than a switchblade. But that takes skills. Yo, butterfly knife? Yes. Butterfly knives you were can... cool. And you were cool as fuck if you could handle that shit. Like, I remember we had a friend and nobody fucked with this dude because he would pull out his butter knife and be like, whoosh, whoosh, blah, 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 you know, just twisting that shit around like he's doing acrobats. And we was like, yo, fuck that shit. We ain't fucking with. Now, he probably couldn't fight for shit. Probably didn't even know how to use that shit properly on a person. But he could do all that crazy shit like people do in the movies. You ain't getting fucked with. Exactly. Yup. Yep. My mom knew how to do it. I almost chopped my fingers off you, trying to do that You could that come shit. up and pull a gun on somebody. I pulled my butterfly knife out. Yo, my bad, sir. You got this. I'm going to leave you alone, sir. Have a good day. I'm telling you, man. A, people don't A gun fuck, versus a knife? But a butterfly knife. Yeah. And you're doing cool martial arts. 80 okay. moves with and it. And while you're swinging that shit trying to look cool, I'm going to pop a cap in your ass. But you're mesmerized by no. my awesomeness with the butterfly knife. Bullshit. Bam. Right in the kneecap. That yeah. way you're stuck See, right where you, you don't, are. You don't respect the butterfly. You don't respect that shit, man. I respect the art. The butterfly, but a gun ain't gonna do. <laughs> the gun's gonna <laughs> pop a cap in that ass. All right. So after Brad gets uh, stabbed in the knife or stabbed in the foot with the knife, because the guy just throws it to what? Throws it down on the fuck you, right? They they rush I, Brad to the hospital, and they're carrying him in like some. He's like some wounded, you know, World War Two veteran or some shit, right? And then the doctor comes out. Now I was looking at this. Did you notice that the doctor in this movie looked incredibly stoned, or was it me? It was you. He actually looked incredibly tired. Tired? Yes. Okay, looked, I'm giving you that because he's a doctor. Because you, I think he's in Chicago. Let's not forget, while he's in here working on the toe that only got one stitch from the stab, a nurse comes in and tells him the stab patient, well, he died. And then back in the day, even nowadays, there's a lot of killings in Chicago. Like, people just like to stab and shoot people. I don't know why. Stabbing them with a butterfly knife. I'm just saying. So, and they have high crime. So, I'm pretty sure the doctor was just hella tired. See, I'm telling you, man, that doctor looked hot. He looked high as fuck. Like, he I'll just got tipsy. done smoking a joint. His, he, eye, his eyes weren't red. Yes, Maybe drunk. All right. You know what? Who? I'll it, give you alcohol over the weed. He did not seem drunk. No, 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 no. He seems stone. Classic 80s stoner doctor. Okay. And he tells the kid you need one stitch. One stitch. One stitch. That's what he... He's like, I was just in this cool gang fight. I got stabbed. You know? He was pissed. But yet, a nurse comes in and goes, the stab patient died. 
dude, you're lucky. Yeah. So everybody, you know, and of course the stone doctor comes out. What happened to the guy? What happened to my dude? He tells him that he died. Everyone passes out. Very, very cheesy. And you could kind of see it coming from a mile away. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, the faint. My favorite part is in every 80s movie I've ever seen where a chick faint, they always have this white stick thing that they put over the nose to wake them up. That's really real. That's an, it's like I, I an know, emotion. I thing. know, but it's like everybody has it. Just like every 80s movie, they go, I know in a few minutes, some white girl's going to faint. Okay. So let me make sure I have this. But they are in a hospital. And I'm going to assume if any place is going to have those ammonia salt stick deals, it's going to be a hospital. Okay, but I'm talking about other movies and other sure. places. It's not always in a hospital. This just happens How to be How much are you going to wake somebody up if you just punched them out? You got to have this. Okay. I don't know. There's a lot of... I notice in a lot of 80s movies, a lot of women faint. <laughs> I don't get this shit. I can't faint. I don't want to faint. It right. seemed like it would hurt. I don't know. Falling down from the ground. I mean, I'm not tall, they but shit, I'm not pressure. short. They had low blood pressure in, in 1987. Too much salt. <laughs> so after the chaos in the hospital, they're reunited with handsome Jack Pruitt, and he offers them to their car. Hey, I'm going to take you to your car, the tow truck driver with the hook hand, right? Mm-hmm. So he's I like, I paid for the window. I, I pay for the window, but you got to pay for the tire that's $50. Now, this is the moment that I came to the realization because they did a nice tight shot on Crazy Hook Hand Guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I realized that's me. That's my beard. I've been trying for years to grow a cool, kick ass looking beard. And I've been confronted with the realization that I have Crazy Hook Hand Beard. Now, I have a man crush on Bob's beard from Biggest Loser. Bob from Biggest Loser. Not Bob himself. I got a crush on his beard. And I've been trying to get this cool, hip Bob beard. You don't grow it, baby. No, I got a crazy hook hand beard. What the fuck, babe? If you did it, you would look like a creeper, though. Crazy hook hand beard? You would look like a creeper with that type of beard grown out. Yeah. There's no cool Bob beard for like me, you're, babe. You're even pushing it right now. I know, because I'm trying. No, I'm trying you... to get that Bob beard, babe, but I'm just coming up with hook hand shit. All your gray hair. I got is a hook hand. In. All right, thank you. you yeah. Need trim. Scraggly. I'm yes. looking at the guy's beard and I'm like, fuck, that's me. I'm that's, looking at your beard and I'm going, fuck, it's that's him. That's my beard. <laughs> it flares out at the edges. You know how some guys, it just comes in naturally cool and quaffed. Nah, my shit looks like I've been fucking sticking my head out the window for 80 miles per hour. And oh man, babe, what am I going to do? I got hook hand beard. I so want to say something about your beard. You know what? We're All on right. here and I love you, so I won't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll respect you this time. <laughs> All right. You know, I'm, I'm fully depressed now. I, I, I got this. <laughs> I got hook hand beard, not Bob beard. All right. So the kids come across a fraternity house and Chris meets and becomes attracted to Dan Lynch, a gentleman who learns of Chris's problems and donates her $45. Now, in the meantime, can we just talk about uh, what's what's the kid's name? I'm trying to because I just keep wanting to say Anthony, Anthony Rapp. But uh His friend Daryl. Anthony Rapp plays Daryl. Can we just say that Daryl is now like fully engrossed in um some drunken girls They're, like sucking face and all this other shit? Like he's well, almost gonna get laid over here, right? And he's 15 years old. He starts at a 
a beer pong table, I think it was, or just a drinking table. Mm-hmm. The college kids are chugging beer. He chugs a cup of popcorn. Right, trying to fit in with all the lunkheads. They call him something about a dickhead. Sure. He laughs, not realizing he, he that doesn't they're, they're making joke, fun of him. Because he's 15. And, and then, then some drunken girl comes up and grabs him. Well, and of course, being 15, he's going to slumber off with her. Well, because he read the Playboy. So he mentions something about the human anatomy in a sexual way. And the girl goes, I know how and I can show it. So, and grabs her and it yes. locks face. And they just start sucking face. Now, I do want to make a point, but I'm going to move on real quick and just move on with our review because I'm going to link these two things together. All right. So... After the whole college dorm deal, right, they finally get back to the garage. They finally get back to Dawson's garage, right, Mm -hmm. where they're confronted with who Sarah believes is Thor. Now, we didn't really get too much into Sarah, but Sarah's the little girl. She's super cute. She's got the skates on, a red cape, her little Thor hammer, and she's got a Thor, plastic Thor helmet on. She idolizes Thor, right? Yeah, she's like the tomboy, right? They meet up with Thor. And who she thinks is Thor. And they're squabbling over five bucks, which I'm like, dude, what the fuck? It's, it's, well, come she, on. Sarah opens her mouth at the wrong time. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Which is played. I'm surprised. He's played by, um, I can't remember his name, but he plays Private Pile in uh, Full Metal Jacket. He's the Fisk character in, Dare, in the Daredevil. Um, he was the Men in guy, Black, the Roach Man. The Roach Man. And, and, and he was in Law and Order. Mm-hmm. For years, I or one of the Law and Order spinoffs. But this guy is a great actor. Yeah. He looks young and fit. The looks buff. The right? biceps. Right? I mean, a com- shimmery. Like I Blonde wonder. Hair don't look good on him. I though. wonder how much in between this role and Private Pile, because they're just completely different looking characters, right? And that the hair. I'm thinking the hair has to be a wig. But this so. is where I want to link the where. Daryl is sucking face with the girl and now this Thor, right? The girl goes up and says, my brother says Thor's a homo. I'm like, whoa. Like, we were both like, whoa, what the fuck? That's not homophobic or anything like that, right? But this is where we have to think. This is the lens of the 80s. And a lot of 80s movies are highly inappropriate by today's standards. Highly inappropriate. In this movie alone... There's like this this 15-year-old kid is sucking face with this drunken college girl. Now, today, many would consider that rape, that you would take advantage of a girl. There is actually kids who have gotten kicked out of college and arrested for taking advantage of a drunk girl. Okay, but there you go. A drunk girl being taken advantage of by a guy but, but this was a drunk 80s, girl taking advantage yeah. of a child boy uh, yeah. so nothing would happen well in today's pc culture i highly doubt that that oh, kid's now, name wouldn't be dragged through the mud well no nowadays yeah it, they would not be you looking. can call rape on either side but my point is back in those days and from not too long ago if a little boy was getting his dick wet by an older woman, yeah, that ain't rape. But if a younger woman wants an older man, it's rape, even though she wants it. Well, women I, are different. You're gonna, I mean, listen, let's not get into semantics. We're just talking about how outrageously un PC the 80s movies are. Oh, I'm not trying to split hairs as to what you consider rape and not rape. I'm just saying that in today's culture. You know, a, a young man, even though he's young, taking advantage of this drunk woman, like that would not be in a movie. You would not see that in a movie today. That is just not going to happen. Right. It's just that's just on PC culture for sure. And 
<laughs> calling this guy just a flat out homo. Like you would not ever, 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 ever see that in a movie unless it was like a very specific piece. But you're not gonna see that word thrown around in a comedy or a family comedy or a PG thirteen movie. You're not. And that's what I just mean about these eighties movies, is that they are just highly inappropriate. <laughs> and this movie is not without its moments. All right, let's let's move on. So after squabbling with Thor for five freaking dollars, right? The girl goes back up to him and offers her her plastic Thor helmet. And I guess this touches the guy's heart randomly mm-hmm. and says, go ahead, take the car, get out of here. Which is, I just didn't quite understand that. Squabbling over $5 and all of a sudden she gives you a helmet. And that that just is, I don't know. I just thought that was very kind of weird. Yeah? No? Anything yeah, to say? because he was just like, $5 or get out. And he just kept going on and on that he wouldn't help. And then this little girl just pours her heart out to him and then offers the hat. And then it was nice because he gave back the hat and was like, I have mine at home. That was a pretty cool moment, right? And especially if you're a comic book fan, you're going to be like, oh, shit. That's motherfucking Thor. Yeah. <laughs> he, he like went douchey to Prince Charming. Well, that's what I just kind of thought was weird. You know, he's just being a complete douche. And this girl is obviously dressed up as Thor. So if he is Thor, he's going to be like, oh, this is a fan. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you know, I just thought that was, that's why I thought it was weird. Uh, Where are we, babe? So they're kind of squabbling over. He gives them the keys and the guys are off and they're driving around and they're driving um, back home. And on their way back home, they drive past the restaurant. That the babysitter's boyfriend was going to take her to, right? And they conveniently notice his extra cool douchey car, the Canary or the uh, fire engine red Corvette with the license plate that says too, so, so cool. So cool or too cool? Could be too cool. I think it's so cool. Hashtag so douchey. <laughs> yes, very douchey, right? Right. So they immediately park, they go in, and of course they find her, they find him on a date with this other chick. I guess easy. I guess she's easy. Cause I Easy something. I immediately was like, what the fuck? That chick is busted. And if you're looking at both chicks, fucking Elizabeth Shoe was beats that chick hands down. How the fuck are you gonna cancel? I it just did not okay, make any I sense. I agree, but you sound so fucked up. What? I'm gonna have the whole women's rights moment over oh, here. God. I'm yeah. not PC just like the 80s, babe. I'm just saying, like, she wasn't, like, god-awful ugly, but... She was she, busted. She was not busted, but homegirl is better than Babe, her. Babe, she fell out the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. That's fucked up, and that's not true. Babe, she was busted, and when you had... You make it sound like she was, like, four-eyed raven and, like, pimples all over her face and no titties, and she was just, like, fat and shit. Why she, does all that have to equate? You could be fat and no titties and still be good-looking. I'm saying the girl was significantly uglier than she was not ugly, but the babysitter's cuter. We'll leave it at that. Whatevs. All right. So they had their little confrontation there. And of course, you know, Brad steps in. Don't talk about my babysitter like that. Blah, 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 blah. Right. So they they have their confrontation, get in a fight and they just run out the restaurant, which now conveniently frees up the babysitter for this new guy. Hold on. The guy got pushed. He got kicked from behind behind by the best friend that has an annoying laugh he stepped up and did something nice kicked him all the way over to a table true true uh let's see meanwhile sarah is spotted by bleak and graydon when they leave the restaurant and they are chased to an office building where 
their father is and parents are at. Yeah. Yeah, so all the chaos in the restaurant, the little Thor girl, Sarah, you know, just wanders off, which it's like, what, nobody's paying attention to this girl? And she gets noticed by the by the bad guy. Now, here's my thing. If you're a bad guy and you see the girl that has all your criminal empire notes written on the back of a Playboy, and you see her just zoned out in front of a toy store, why the fuck are you just going to get out and be like, hey, little girl, come over here? What the fuck? Dude, I'm a bad guy. I'm going to hop out the fucking car. I'm going to run right up. Right behind her. And I'm going to snatch away. the fucking backpack or the book. The book is hanging out. I don't even want to snatch the little girl. I want my notes. Why the fuck are you going to announce yourself? So, you know, these guys are not very good criminals. 80s. Yeah. That's why half of them are in prison still. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the, in the mean, you know, and they chase her all around. She sees her parents' building. And even though she's never been to Chicago once in her life, she automatically knows how to get to this building because she's seen it standing tall in the alleyway somewhere off in the distance, right? So she magically finds her way through MapQuest or some shit like that. <laughs> she finds her way to the parents' building and she gets in. I'm sure this high-end office building will have some security, some security officers in the front, but she somehow manages to make her way through the lobby mm -hmm. and hit the button to go to the very top floor. Where there's an open window that yeah, anyone can climb. It's under construction, right? The one floor below that is where her parents are. And the other floor above that is this wide open fucking construction site, right? So, and, and then they cut to the other gang, the babysitter and, and the two kids and everything. And they find her cape in an alleyway from looking for her. And they figure out somehow that she's on her way to... The parent. brother, because he looks at me, he goes, that's my father's building. Yeah, and that's where she'll go. And I'm, we're all like, father's building? Do they own that shit? Does he work there? Like, we we still don't know. Yeah. what. But to go a little bit further, what makes me believe that they don't own it, that he just works there, is before the parent leave, they go eat some appetizer. And they're like, oh, my God, delish. I need the recipe. Who's the caterer? And no one. And it's like, okay, you're the wife. Wouldn't you know that? And the husband didn't know it, so obviously he's not big boss because he could easily get a hold of a secretary. That is true, babe. That is so a good observation. I think, I, I think he, yeah, it was just an office work party, huh? Yeah. See, and you think I don't pay attention to details. <laughs> so everybody magically makes their way to this building. Mm -hmm. The girl, the, now the babysitter, and they're searching for her, and the girl fucking lowers herself out of the window. One of the bad guys follows her up to the, to the construction site because she left a chocolatey kind of fingerprint on the elevator. Mm -hmm. So they deduce that that's where she's at, right? One bad guy goes into the party where the parents are. The other bad guy goes up to the construction floor and they're confronted right there, right? And the girl climbs out this fucking window. Now, this rope was... She didn't toss the rope... The the, I can't even talk. She didn't even toss the rope out the window. It was just hanging there. Why is there a random rope Hanging out of an open fucking window on some skyscraper. So it can fall down and hit someone in the head so someone can get sued. <laughs> so the girl has enough balls to lower herself. Like, what is this? Like, fucking 50 stories in the air or some shit like that? This is just crazy insane. The wind would be blowing everywhere. It's Chicago. It's the Windy City, right? No wind. Nothing. Whatever. So now we're getting right to the end of the movie, right? This is the, the confrontation. Everybody's in one spot. They're trying to avoid the parents. The kids are in some coat closet. <laughs> she ducks down and she ties some electric cord or some extension cord around his feet, the bad guy's feet, and she makes her escape and he trips all over the place. And, you know, so they all make their way up to this construction zone, right? Mm -hmm. Where 
this one this one guy then turns on his buddies and punches the guy out in one punch, right? The leader, one punch, throws the Playboy magazine on him and everyone leaves. And on their way home, they see the parents on the freeway. So they all duck and drive home and they just speed home. And I don't know. I mean, now it's just kind of boring, right? She just, her kids run upstairs. She's like cleaning She's the house. She's like, get in your pajamas and get in your bed. And the best yeah. way like, I don't have pajamas. I don't care. Do it. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like right after that final conflict, everything just was like, all right, let's wrap this story up. Let's go. You know, and it's like, all right. But it was neat because she, they were gone all day. She literally cleaned this person's kitchen <laughs> in like less than five minutes. And it was a mess. I would say less than two minutes. Yeah. From the car in, and then the she like hopped to... on the couch and grabbed a magazine. It was all Perfect like, timing. <sighs> like simple. Yeah. It was easy. I, I could do this again, but I'm retiring. So she narrowly escapes being caught. And as she's leaving the house, dun, the, dun, dun. Yeah, the pretty boy that she met, one of the frat guys at the party pulls up, says, Hey, they left the skate there. She has her address on her. And it's kind of creepy, right? You gotta remember you, it's you want two o'clock in the morning. Well, no, it was very cute. And I would think this is boy, classic 80s right here. Yeah. This is the classic 80s Ending right before love. the cut to final credits. Yeah. You know, the romantic, you know, you know, guy. you got screwed and we're going to give you your Prince Charming. Yeah. And then the angst ridden Brad is up in the window with his, you know, crushing on the babysitter. But he accepts it because he's cool. But he slowly closes the blind because, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be disgusting. That that end, end credit was like 80s in a nutshell to me. But to get back to the name and ad- address on the skate. You wonder why so many kids were kidnapped back in the day. You put your name and your address and phone number on the top of your backpack. You True. put it, you wear it. I had it on dog, my underwear. See? <laughs> underwear, socks, shoe, anywhere you could write it, someone put it. And you wonder why so many people knew where the hell you live. I got relatives that don't even know where we live. And we've been here for a while. <laughs> so what did you think of the movie overall? I still love it. You still love it after all this time. I just want to choke the best friend a little tighter than back then, but I still enjoy it. I sing along with the the blues. I enjoy it. it makes me want to go buy a pair of tights and a long, oversized shirt and dance around the house. I'm, maybe I'm t- with you. Whitney Houston, maybe. I want, I want to dance with somebody. I want you to do that. I want to dance with somebody. Don't quit your day job. I want to feel the heat with somebody. You can, what's that Somebody one song? No, you you have your guy. Like I have Whitney Houston. You have what's that? Oh my god, where you wear white boxers and a button, uh, open button down shirt and white socks, and you slide against the wood. Are you talking for, about Tom Cruise's risky business? There you go. <laughs> I'll be my stocking big shirt. I'll even put hair out. I'll, I'll fluff the shit out this hair. Are we gonna have like some eighties party, but just you and me? <laughs> We should so throw an 80s party since we're on an 80s kick. Well, I'm actually glad that this movie was our first outing with this type of format or our second outing because we did Flatliners first. But what did you think of our our second outing, babe? Huh? I enjoy it, but it just made I will cut and get bangs. And you remember the big bang with the hairspray where it just stays still? Yes, I clearly remember those. Tease it high. Higher, higher the hair, closer you are to God. When I went to high school, you were not cool, or females were not cool, if you could not have your hair standing up like eight feet in the air. I know. Like your bangs just straight up with a fucking can full of Aquanet. Oh, yeah. My sister, <laughs> I, I think she almost killed me with all, the amount of hairspray she used to wear. <laughs> Never right. stand behind a female with a can of Aquanet. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the movie. Not- it was definitely fun to watch. It wasn't like incredibly cheesy and... 
I it had, had its, its moments, moments, but not you know, too much. And it wasn't incredibly un-PC or, you know, offensive, but it had its classic 80s moments. Like, all, almost all 80s movies have these offensive moments in it now. I think we should tell the viewers the next movie we're going to watch so they can watch it too, and then they can hear our different opinions. Right. Any So... I will have to any critiques on how we just did this episode. Are you happy with the way that we did? I feel like we kind of got bogged down in a lot of these details. Like I want to give an overall arching view or, you know, review. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes I feel like as we're kind of going like in the middle of it, we kind of just get lost a little bit. And I I struggle with moving it forward. Would you agree? Disagree? I agree. But you you also don't want to leave key points out. True. True. You know, we're just kind of in details. Yeah. So I'm glad you liked the movie. I I really enjoyed it. I it was definitely a dose of nostalgia for me. I clearly remember going to the theaters and my cousin taking me. I can't wait till we get to the nineties. <laughs> we'll get there. So the next the next movie, the next show that we're gonna do, you wanna tell the guys what we're gonna review? Yes, because shockingly, this, this is, is one of your favorites. This is one of my favorites, and I'm not even from this generation. Okay. Well, I am, but I didn't grow up in it. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Starring Christina Applegate in one of my favorite sayings of all times. I still say this to this day. Can you guess it from that movie? It's really, it's kind of a famous. I feel like I'm getting an, I know it, but I. You've actually heard me say this a few times after I'm done doing the dishes. It's a famous scene. Throws the dishes up in the air and he shoots him with the shotgun. And he turns to the camera and says, the dishes are done, man. I've never heard you say that. I say that all the time. It just goes to show how much you pay attention to me. No, I'm never really that close to you when you do the dishes. <laughs> so I just, but, I humbly mumble that to myself in my sad state of 80s nostalgia. Okay. Because I say that too sometimes. <laughs> but I never thought of that movie. That's where it's from. <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to get out of here next week or next th- Now, I know it's been a while since our last show. And it's been a little sporadic lately. But it's just been through some unforeseen circumstances and just basically no time on our hand on top of that they've just been kind of struggling to just get some new shows out and get and kind of just get a new segment going you know because i don't want to just flood the podcast with cannabis review after cannabis review you know because then it's going to turn into just this weed podcast and it's hard to get the guys together for our nerds at a round table well i got some time coming up we might have another review sooner than later yeah and maybe even a mock review hint hint of the recipe that I'm actually going to make tomorrow. Oh, you want to do a cooking segment? Huh? No. How about you? <laughs> just before we talk about our next movie, maybe we'll talk. This dish used to be made in the 80s, actually. Actually, before the 80s. It's a mock apple pie okay. with no apples. Uh, okay. All right. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm going to blow your mind. All right. Well, like I... Okay. So it it's just been a little difficult with getting some shows out on a regular basis. And we are going to remedy that. Uh, we're going to start bringing you some apple pies with no apples. <laughs> All kinds of things. So with that being said, guys, I really appreciate you guys tuning in. I love the fucking shit out of you. Goodbye, my beautiful people. So long and thanks for all the fun.